0: are some of the most cherished and important, but they can also be the most challenging and painful. Let's learn together what the Bible says about the relationships that matter most and discover practical wisdom for a fulfilling family life. Good morning, Church. How you doing? Doing all right? Man, we're so good to see you on this winter morning. Uh, very, very good to see you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. For those of you who may be new or visiting uh, with us, my name's Stephen, and I'm the pastor here. And last week we started a brand new series called Dream House. We're going to continue uh, that today. But before I do, uh, I-, I couldn't help but notice as I was sitting uh, at- during worship. First of all, our worship team did a great job. I know. Come on, that was great. Great job. But I started just thinking and looking around at all the different things that we have going on. And, and I know sometimes when you come in and you're new, there's just so many options. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but it's like you, you have so many options, you end up doing none of them because there's just so many of them. And you know maybe you were watching the video announcements, or you were looking at the slides, or you were you know, talking with a team member at the guest suite, and you know, God gave you a very specific thing, hey, I'm going to be a part of that. Or maybe you didn't. Maybe you're just new, and you're just like, I just want to go deeper. Here's what I would really encourage you to do. Uh, of all the things that you could do, there's really only one thing that makes the biggest difference to you finding and fulfilling uh, your purpose here in the church, finding fulfillment in God's family, and that's membership university. Membership university is going to happen right after our last service at one o'clock in the annex. Uh, we provide lunch, we take care of everything. I want to encourage you if you have not gone through that, and, and, and you know, sometimes I can be a little rough about this because I really believe in the power of spiritual family church is more than just a place you go to and receive. You need that. That's important. You're going to get a healthy diet of God's word. No more and no less, right? You're going to get God's word here, but you also have to take your place in the family of God because that's where growing up and maturing happens. And I love saying this every time this comes up because I think sometimes we can, we can confuse uh, receiving uh, information to actually, to life transformation. You're transformed as you go. You have to plug in to God's family, let your roots go deep. And so here's what I say. Listen, if you've been coming been coming. to church here uh, i'll give you eight weeks if you've been coming to church here you've been here eight weeks chances are you're like okay i like the messages you know he seems okay i don't know about those skinny jeans but you know he seems like the bible's going good this is my place and you haven't made a commitment here's what i would ask you to do Uh, make a commitment or find another church that sounds really harsh but let me tell you why it's not because i don't like people. I love people. It's because I know that you need to be planted in a church. The longer you remain unplanted as a believer, the more opportunity it is for the enemy to come in and to confuse you. Much of what's going on in our church today and our culture is a bunch of disconnected Christians that their faith is atrophied and they've not been around each other to sharpen each other. And so I just want to, I want to encourage you come to here, come to this. Listen, well, we have plenty of food. I know um, Pastor Chuck, he'll make sure if we don't, we'll have a bunch more boxes uh, ready for lunch and, and all of that. But here are the vision. Me and my my wife will be here. Our entire team will be here. We're really just, it's an on-ramp to getting connected in the church. And so I want to make sure that you do that first. I'm okay with you doing nothing else if that's all you do uh, today. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Hebrews chapter 13. If you don't have your Bibles, that's totally okay. Although I would encourage you uh, to get one. We have uh, free Bibles up here anytime. Also in the back, you can pick them up at the, at the energy bar as well. It's great flipping through God's word, feeling the pages and kind of getting acquainted with uh, the word of God. Uh, but, but if you don't, we'll have scripture up on the screen, but hold your place there in Hebrews. So we started this, ser- this uh, series last week talking about um, really getting God's mind for family. Uh, family really is the building block of all civilization. Uh, So goes the family. So goes everything else in culture. It's tempting to look out in our culture and there's lots of things that you may be led to do. And I think that's important. It's important that we engage and we do all of these different things. Okay. But the first thing that we have to do is the thing that's most local, which is we have to learn how to build God's way at home. And last week we opened up our series with just kind of this idea that, you know, there's no pain like family pain. Let's just be honest. I mean, none of us like, get out, away from that. Like, even if you love God and you do everything that's the best of your ability, chances are uh, definitely your kids are going to need Jesus and probably some counseling. Come on. Okay. But so, so here's what we talked about last week. We talked about navigating the, the, the tension between God's ideal in God's word, what God tells us to do, how he calls us to build, and our own reality in our family. Did you know there's a tension there? This side of heaven, there's always going to be a tension between what God is calling you forward to and where you are. It's in that tension that you actually grow. Anybody in here that like, is fit or has big muscles, you know that that doesn't just happen, okay? And if you think that, you're just young, just wait. It'll stop happening the older you get. Okay, you have to actually go in and you have to exert some energy. You have to, that that that's, it's tension between the weights actually grows you up. And so remember, as we're tackling different ideas and different biblical uh, concepts around family, we always have to, to, to walk into it knowing that there's no perfect family this side of heaven. There's just not. This is interesting because God gave commands to his people on how to build family, but you don't see one perfect family in the Bible. You see a whole lot of like, like family gone wild, like Jerry Springer style. Come on for some of y'all Mari. And I don't know who was older than him, but anyways, right. I mean, it's just, it's judge Judy stuff. I mean, it's just like, it's like, wow, I can't believe those idiots did that. You know why their examples are in there? The best experience is always someone else's. So when we open up the Bible, a lot of times we can learn from their experience, how to do it right. But no matter what, We have to to be able to, 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 to pray and ask God to show us in any kind of message like this, God, what's the one step you want me to take in my life and in my family? So with that mindset, remember our big idea for the series. God wants us to win at home, okay, and the Bible shows us how. This is the big idea. Lots of people have opinions about how you should build your life, about how you should build your family. How's that working out for them? Not that great. And yet God's word, the Bible says, is like a rock under our feet. You look out at the world and how the world's building, and it's like sand. People are just sinking everywhere. It's confusing. Lines are getting blurred. People are getting hurt, all because they've departed from God's way. And so that's really the big eye uh, idea. Today, we're going to focus in on really the, the, the building block of all civilization, of all family. And we're going to talk about the purpose of marriage. Now, whether or not you're married, divorced, widowed, want to be married, or maybe never want to do it again, it doesn't really matter. You have to know what God's plan is for it. It's important as believers, this is the big breakdown that we have in the church, okay? Because we don't know God's word, we get led astray by all of these crazy, wicked, demonic ideas in culture. And I'm going to confront a few of those today, but I'm going to do it with a smile, Okay, I'm going to open up God's word. And there's going to be a time, probably, maybe several times, hopefully, if I do my job, where you're going to feel a little uncomfortable. And I just want you to know, like, like don't look at me in that tone of voice. Like, you know, it's the Bible, and I'm in it with you. And I'm, I have tension in my own life. There's areas in my own life that don't measure up exactly. There's areas in my own thinking that I constantly have to come back to God's word in. But it's, it's, it's when we allow ourselves to stay in that tension, in that uncomfortable moment. By the way, that's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit if you're new to church. That's God literally speaking to you directly. And if you'll just stay in it, God will reframe how you see things and everything that he brings into our life, if we do it his way, brings life. And so I wanna encourage you with that. Hebrews chapter 13, verse four, marriage is to be honored by all. Everyone say all. all. Marriage is to be honored by all. All people at one time understood in our nation how important the family is. And what's happened over time is we've drifted. We've drifted. I tell our team all the time, you're always growing, coasting, or drifting. You know, growth, you have to be intentional about growth. Let me just say it this way. Your kid's room doesn't get cleaner on its own. It gets dirtier on its own. Things don't get better right? Without maintenance, they actually break down and get worse. There's an effort this side of heaven to, to growing. So that's intentional. Uh, many of us, we, we have success. And, and so we, we, we kind of take a break, you know, we kind of breathe for a minute. And we, we, I would call that coasting. But did you know, if you stay coasting too long, you're going to start drifting. You're going to start drifting. So I want you to consider like, what place do you see yourself at at your place in the family. Maybe not just if you're a husband, we're gonna talk about marriage today, but maybe just in, maybe you're a son or a daughter and how you relate to your your family or or your place in the church. I want you to really place yourself. Are you growing, are you coasting, or are you drifting? You are never staying still, ever. Coasting is just the momentum from the last season. You're still moving forward, but slower than you were when you were growing. Eventually, if you don't start growing again, you're gonna go backwards. Does that make sense? very very important few people actually know God's intention for marriage so what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to talk about six biblical purposes for marriage if we can get God's idea on marriage okay we can thrive in our families all right the first idea the first purpose is God gave marriage for family God gave marriage for family 1 Corinthians 11:11 11, 11. but remember now why would Paul tell the church at Corinth also known as the church gone wild, also known as the spring break church, right? Why would he say remember? You know why? Because it's easy to forget. But remember that in God's plan, men and women resent each other. In God's plan, men and women war with each other. In God's plan, men dominate women. In God's plan men can become women. In God's plan, women can throw off the patriarchy of men. What does it say? None of those, if you're listening on audio. That's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? But remember, because you're going to forget, it goes all the way back to the garden and the curses in Genesis 3, that in God's plan, men and women, what? Need each other. They need each other. God gave marriage for family. God thought up marriage. God thought up sex. God thought up men and women. Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper for him that corresponds or compliments him. Here's what it says. It is not good for a man to defer responsibility because he will end up 35 years old playing video games in his mom's basement. He will end up thinking it's a good idea to put on high heels and start thinking crazy things about his sexuality. By, infantil- by, 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 make, by keeping him in an infant state, not letting him grow, it is not good for him. It is not good for society. It is not good. So I will make a helper. I say this all the time when I do marriage ceremonies. Your wife is not behind you or under you. She is next to you. That's what the scripture is saying here. She is a compliment, right? Iron sharpens iron. She is there to help you. And this is interesting because Genesis 2.18 is before sin. This is before sin. This is before all of the wickedness and evil, all the things that you and I experience from the results of sin and death, the fall of Adam. This is all before that. God's looking at man and going, that brother needs some help. Come on. <laughs> it's not good. Men are deferring marriage more and more and more today and it's not good for culture. It's not good. Mark ten six. Jesus says this, but from the beginning of creation, in case you're wondering, all the way back to Genesis. God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and the two will become one, let me say one, one flesh. They are no longer one, but, but no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, that like God has joined together, let no one separate. So here's what I wanna do for a moment. There's a pattern that you see, um, played out when you read about the children of Israel in the Bible. Have you noticed, have you ever found yourself reading the Old Testament about this stiff-necked, stubborn people who just seem to be doing the same thing over and over and over again? Does anybody see the pattern? The pattern is you have a generation, God delivers them. Boom, they know God. They have a personal relationship with who he is. They've experienced his power. Then, because they don't take this seriously, their kids grow up never experiencing God, but only experiencing the God of their fathers. They never have that personal relationship. So they know God, but then the next generation knows about God. Lots of people in the church today would call themselves Christian. All right. Lots of people would call themselves Christians and they're not. Their parents were Christians. Their grandparents were Christians, but they're not. Okay. And then then they raise kids and those kids know not God. So here's how it works. You know, God personally, you know, about God, you know, not God. I think we're, it's safe to say we're in a generation, they know not God. And so here's what God always, you always see this when he tells this to the children of Israel. He, and he says it to us too. He says, you don't, need, you don't need new technology. You don't need more material wealth. You don't need another habit tracker or a hack, right? You don't need another seminar. Here's what you need. To, you don't need anything new. The Bible always says you need to return. Everyone say return. You need to return. Return to what? Return to what it's all about. Return to what's true. So what I wanna do for a few minutes, and this is crazy because just a generation ago, I would never have had to do this. I'm gonna give you the biblical definition of marriage. It has never, right, in our nation's history, been up for grabs. But again, because we haven't kept God's word in front of us as a lamp to guide our path and our feet, as a filter for which to interpret the world through, We've got to go back and re-dig, re-dig some wells here. Defining biblical marriage. We're going to return. But this is doctrine, not tradition. This is like the things that don't change. You know, there's some things that never change, no matter what. They always remain the same. This is the, more, this is the idea of the moral law. Much of what our culture is experiencing is, is we, have all, we have so much material wealth that our morality has not grown with it. And maybe to whom much is given, much is what? Required. I don't know if that's in the Bible or Batman, but, but my point is it, it makes a lot of sense. And what's happened is our, more, our, moral, our morality is not holding the material wealth, right? So what, 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 what is biblical marriage? First of all, marriage belongs to God. This is important. It's not a piece of paper. It doesn't belong to government. God, it, it belongs to God. So if it belongs to God, only God can define it. Man cannot redefine it. We say this about absolute truth. It's absolute in the Bible. Down to our biology, how he made us, right? Truth is either discovered by man or revealed by God to man. It's the scripture. It is never created by man or invented by man, ever. That that idea sparked the scientific revolution. It did. We can know God. Through what he has made and through his revealed world, word. Marriage belongs to God. It's not just a tradition. Next, marriage is between one man, one woman, and God. This is important. Marriage is not between two people, it's between three. And I, again, I never thought I would ever have to say this, but I'm going to say this. Marriage is between one biological human man, I do have to say human now, and one biological human woman with the one true God you with me don't look at me like that that's what the Bible says if listen if, if you want to be a Christian you have to surrender your life to the lordship of Jesus so you can pretend you cannot agree with me that's fine you're not a Christian that's what the Bible says it's true it's not just it's not just true it is it is ultimately true next marriage is a covenant and is, is designed to be permanent now, we're going to talk more about the idea of covenant on Thursdays. I want to encourage you to come. I'm not really sure if Pastor Keegan is going to make up the, the last message or if I'm going to catch it on the next week on Thursday, but I want to encourage you to be at Thursday. Um, but we're going to talk about this idea of covenant. It's very, very important. But the idea about, suffice it to say today, it, it's designed to be till death do us part, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. Okay, That's what it's designed to be. And and this is important because our culture has moved so far away from it. There used to be something called wedlock. How many of you are old enough to understand that term? It's before like marriage, it was called wedlock. Well, think about that for a minute. You wed, and guess what? You're locked. (laughs) Wed, locked, ball and chain. That's how how it's meant to be. That's how it's meant to be, you know why? Because we we wanna do life and build another way. But growth is not actually in keeping our options open. It's actually in limiting our options and living God's way. There's a way that seems right, keyword seems to man, but its way is death. So this is literally a a trend. This is is happening in Canada now and all over Europe. They've changed the word wedlock to wed lease. I'm not making it up. That's a normal thing. They are doing three, five, and ten year leases in marriage where they can but that is what no fault divorce is just so you know it's the same idea they just they're just honest enough about it because they're so far from god in europe it's just i mean you know they're just honest about it but that's what it is okay so god created marriage god created marriage for multiplication this is this next one again it's going to be hard for someone because i'm i'm going to i'm going to let you know if you know you're really a christian or not Genesis one twenty eight. God blessed them and said to them. I didn't say God blessed man. Didn't say God blessed woman. Said God bless them. God blessed them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God chose to populate the human planet through marriage. For thousands Billions of people have come into existence because of the union of of one man, one woman. Uh, I would venture to say, because all of you are born, you are the outcome of a, it's crazy I even have to say it. I'm not going to say heterosexual cis relationship. I'm going to say normal relationship. I'm going to say normal, because that's actually what it is. You were all an outcome of that. God loves children, children are a blessing. They're a blessing. Our world doesn't see that. It doesn't profess that. And it's absolutely demonic. A couple things I want to note. Many people are asking, where is God? Where is God? It's so dark. And here's what I would ask you. Where was your post as a believer when Roe v. Wade was overturned? You know where God was? Saving babies from being slaughtered in the womb. That's where he was. Yeah. I'm going to say this, and remember, this is God. I'm going to love you no matter what. You can come. You, you can come. You can still participate. You can still be around. But don't pretend you're a Christian and say you're pro-choice because you're not. Amen. You're just not. Amen. And here's the thing. The Bible says, like, the truth sets you free. I, I'm not going to pick it. I'm not going to. I'm not. But, but I'm not going to lie to you. And unfortunately, pastors have cowered on this issue. I could not believe how many people that I knew in my life, pastors that lead massive, massive influential churches were quiet when that happened. Listen, I'm serious. If it was a kick to the gut when Roe v. Wade was overturned, you are not saved. And if you are, you need to repent. And you know, repent just means change your mind. It's not complicated. It's not like we got to heap on coals on you. And that's not me heaping it on. That's the word of God. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is a biblical idea. And it's interesting, the people who want to be pro-choice, which is really pro-infanticide, that's what it is. 64 million babies have been aborted in the womb since Roe v. Maid. Murdered mercilessly. Where's God? Man, he's right there. The question is never, where's God? This is important for the believer. The question is never where is God. The question is, where are you? What did God say to Adam and Eve? Do you think he really needed to know where they were? No, the question was for them. They sinned against him. They were shameful. They covered and they hid. And he asked this question. And this is a question every believer has to ask. Where are you? If you can't answer that question before God, you don't know God. And and I'm going to show you the way to God at the end of the service. The next, we as believers have to be shrewd as serpents, the Bible says, but as gentle as doves. Gentleness in the word there means strength under control, right? Strength under control has built one of the greatest civilizations we've ever had. Under what kind of control? Under biblical control, on Judeo-Christian principles, I hear people say this all the time. You know what? I just don't want to bring kids into this world. It's already overpopulated. Says who? That's anti-Christian. Did did God say be fruitful and multiply or not? So here's another thing. Where are you? Do you believe that God created man for the earth or the earth for man? Very important. Now, I'm all for stewardship. Pick up your trash, please, and stop dumping it in my front yard. (laughs) Obey the laws that are righteous and that don't contradict the Bible. Like, you should care, you should steward. But but the fact that you would say, I don't want to have kids and and try to make some morality out of it, that's anti-biblical. That's anti-biblical, it's not true. We will be just fine. We will be just fine. The numbers show it. It's funny when science catches up to the reality. We're more populated than we've ever been. They said we we were supposed to be done in the 70s. It's funny, nobody holds them accountable to their stupid ideas that never ended up happening while they're continuing to just project it out another 10 or 15 years. God's good. Getting married and having kids is good. Christian parents, listen to me here. You care more about your kid getting into Harvard or heaven? Really? Okay. Then you know what? You might want to pull back on the club soccer and all the sports. You might want to get your kids in church. I said this too. If they're in public education, you need to get them out. I don't know how that's going to work. It doesn't matter. Honor God. He'll make a way. That's why we're starting a school. It's not because we don't have anything else to do. It's because it's the most important thing we've got to do. And we've not done. And so here's another thing. Young man, you're in here. You love God. Love God first. That's important. You know, God's called you to be married. That's a good thing. Marriage is a good thing. Parents saying, oh, you got to get out. You got to get everything figured out. You got to, I don't say that. No, 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 no get married before you're ready and have kids before you can afford them. You'll grow up. It's called growing up. And you know what? Your parents had to do it too. And parents stop trying to save your kids from that. God's there. God bless his marriage. God bless his children. It is a good godly thing. Everyone okay? Now some of you, now some of you in here, some of you in here, you're going to say, "Listen, I can't have kids." It doesn't change how you were made by God. God created every single man in here to father and every single woman in here to mother. They may not be your natural kids, but did you know our natural families, as we're going to learn as we close today, is actually a picture of God's greater family, the church. There are so many people when my dad left that stepped in the gap. I'm adopted spiritually and literally. God still wants to use you for that. He still has a plan. This side of heaven, there's trade-offs. I don't know. Sin and death is destroying this world. One day, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There ain't going to be any fertility problems. There's going to be any of those issues. But this side of heaven, God still has something for you in parenting. Malachi 2.15 says, God, not you. I love that. so obvious. We forget. God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage, meaning that when your wife or your husband is being so annoying, God's right there. That's what he's saying, he's there. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God, that's what. So guard the spirit of marriage within you. God doesn't just use marriage to populate the earth, he uses marriage to populate heaven. You need to think about that, it's really important. God created marriage for protection. God protected marriage for protection. There is not a better way to grow up as a child than in a stable marriage, married household. I'm talking biblical married household. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children have a refuge. Your home's supposed to be a refuge. You create that through God's plan. Marriage is old-fashioned. It's religious. It's out of date. But what do the facts say? This was taken from a census 10 years ago. We have updated data, and it's way worse. And I also say all of these statistics, I looked them up this morning, they're all way worse in the minority groups that these leftists claim to care the most about as they destroy the very thing that would lift people out of poverty and lift people out of suffering. 43% of US children live without their father. That's the US Department of Census. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. That's five times the national average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes, 32 times the national average. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes, 14 times the average. That's justice and behavior. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. That's nine times the average. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. That's 20 times the national average. It's meant for for protection. You don't help the innocent. Men, when you don't take responsibility, first of all, you'll never have meaning in life, ever. We've lied. There's no meaning. In In hedonistic, promiscuous sex, there's no meaning in that crap. Anybody who's lived more than 10 minutes knows that's true, but there's fulfillment in raising a family and taking your responsibility. You'll never find fulfillment apart from it, but you know what? Society will never be protected. Many people are scared of a strong man, of a strong man. You should be way more scared of the weak men leading right now. They're way more dangerous. Throughout history, weak men's been way worse on suffering than strong ones. God created marriage for maturity. Because in this relationship, we learn to be unselfish and loving. Do you know why? Because we're usually selfish and hateful. You have to learn it. And that meaning, I remember one time, Kyla, I'm, I'm, I'm OCD, you know, driven, all the time. Me and my wife were in a fight one time, and she was just starting to get her voice. She was real shy when we first met. Didn't last long. Well, somebody. Like, she's starting to get her voice. She looks at me, and she says, you stop it. And I looked at her, I was like, whoa. Like it was kind of scary and sexy at the same time. Anyway, it's like, whoa, hey. And she says, you know I don't work for you, right? And I thought, I think it might have just occurred to me that that's true. (laughs) We compliment each other. We make each other better. It is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper. Later in the series, we're going to talk about the two primary needs of really men and women, but specifically husbands and wives. Husbands. The Bible says you're to love your wife. You know why? Because you're tempted not to. Your heart's supposed to be at home. We put our hearts in our jobs and all kinds of other things. God knew we would struggle with that. It's a problem. It's a huge problem. Put our hearts in our career, right? Our hearts in our sport or our kids' sport. The Bible says, women, you're to respect your husband. Do you know why? All the way back to Genesis, it says you were going to struggle with disrespect. Read it. Don't look at me like that. It's there. You're gonna struggle with it. So many women I, I hear, man. I just want my 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 husband to lead. And then I hear how they talk to him, and I'm like, I wouldn't even want to be married to you. So hateful, tearing him down all the time. You're never enough, never enough, never enough, never enough. Maybe instead of you know telling him he needs more Jesus, maybe every time you go to church, you come home from church alone, you show him that he should want some more Jesus. You know what I'm saying? We'd have we'd have revival if that happened. Respect's a big issue. We're going to talk about both. You know why? Because when men get better, everything gets better. When women get better, everything gets better. It's not about one being stronger than the other. It's about both of them being strong the way God made them to be strong. It's important. God created marriage for society. I'm not giving you a chance to clap. I'm sorry. Go ahead, and clap. Get it out. Get out. Get your understand. Come on. Hey. I didn't learn to preach in front of people that clapped. I learned in front of empty chairs. So it's still shocked when you do it. So my tempo's off. God created marriage for society. You want the world to get better? Focus on this. Marriage is fundamental building block of every community, every church, every state, every nation, every society, every culture. You look at every nation that was once great It's because the families were strong. They disintegrated into chaos and they are no longer here because family disintegrated. Into chaos, distinctions got blurred. Proverbs fourteen thirty four says this: righteousness, that's doing things God's way, lifts up a nation, but sin, not doing things God's way, brings disgrace to any society. We're so into all of the polit- political stuff, and listen, I, I, it's important. Political just means public. You should be involved, and you should be voting your conscience, and you should be, you know, there should not be a baby killer that any believer ever votes for, ever. Life is kind of important, you know? You don't, you, don't, you don't get liberty without, you know, breath. And you can't really pursue happiness if you're not alive. It literally is the first one. In the beginning, <laughs> right, that's important. But, but, but listen, what's more important is where you make the difference at the most local level. Do you know why I don't care so much about what people say about me on Facebook that I don't know or I'm not close to? Because I know what the people close to me say about me. Did you know that's actually the truth? We're so scared of being called names by people we don't even know. Why do we care? What do the people closest to you say? What do your kids say about you? What does your wife say about you? Your husband say about you? What do the people you work with say about you? What about the people in the church or the last five churches that you've left? What do they say about you? Because that actually is you. Focus on that. That's the most important thing. You have any energy left over from that? It's going to have way more authority than if you don't. Finally, as we close, and we are closing, I'm going over a little bit because you guys keep clapping. (laughs) I'm going over a little bit. We're going over a little bit. God created marriage to be a symbol. This is We're going to end with this idea. It's a symbol. The greatest witness you have is your marriage. When we were starting the church, I was blessed to have... Incredibly wise men around me early on. I've, I've kept wise men around me ever since. But we launched in the movie theater, and that was a new thing, and it was exciting, and there was kind of some instant success, honestly. It was all God, because I didn't know what I was doing. And he came in to speak for the first time. We were in the Cinemark Theater, you know, Theater One, smelled like popcorn and throw up. Come on. And uh, his name was Pastor Jacob Aranza. And he was just looking around going, wow, this place is, whoa, this place is amazing. You're doing so good pumping me up. Like, yeah, it is. Come on, you know. Then he looked at my wife's little blonde head over the seat. It was before they had the nice recliners, you know, real tall. You could see the top of her little blonde head. And he looked at me and he goes, hey, all of these people are going to leave you one day. And I was like, no, they're not. I'm a good pastor. Come on. He said, no, they're all going to leave. None of this is going to be yours one day. Except, and he pointed to my wife's head and he said, that woman is the only thing that matters. And it's interesting because he went on to tell me something that I've continued to use in this church with our lead pastors, with our staff. He said, everybody in here that's coming in and hearing God's word, they're sitting under the the, the umbrella, the shade of your marriage. They're coming in and their marriage sucks. Things are falling apart. It's awful. You know, there are dysfunctions everywhere. And they're looking at Pastor Stephen and Kyla and going, man, whew, if they can do it. I guess I can do it too. You know, it's what other people do to you when you put God first. It doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean you don't mess up. It doesn't mean you're not gonna need repentance and restoration one day, because you will. It doesn't mean that this side of heaven, we get out of here like unscathed with no trouble. But it is the greatest witness of the Christian life. Why? Because God created marriage to be a symbol. A symbol of what? A symbol of how he relates to his church. A symbol of who he is in the world. Light and salt comes from the family first. A city on a hill, that's just a bunch of families that decided to live in the same zip code. Ephesians 5.25, as we close, says it this way. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. And in the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just like Christ does for the church. Since we are members of his body, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery of marriage. He just spent six verses talking about marriage. You would think, this is a great mystery. Yeah, I know, Jesus. Women are from, you know, Venus, men are from Mars. Come on, I know, help me, it's a mystery. It's not what he's talking about. He said, no, it's a mystery of the church. It's a mystery of how you, why do I tell you to go to membership university again? It's not because I couldn't find something else to do. It's because I've watched what happens when families take their place in the body of Christ. I've watched what happens when a younger couple struggling on the end about ready to be done connects with that older couple and, 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 you know, puts their arm around them, says, Hey, you can make it. I've also seen what happens when they don't have those people. I've seen what happens when older couples who are like, man, I've I've done all my building, all my stuff. I don't have any purpose or meaning. What happens when they lean into what God's doing? It's like new life comes into them. Did you know marriage is actually, marriage and family, that's the picture of the family of God. What if the family of God wasn't the example to the natural family, but the natural family was the example to the spiritual family? That's what he's saying right here. That's what Jesus said when he said, on this rock, I will build my church. Not even the gates of hell are gonna prevail against God's family. You know why? Because God's a winner. He doesn't have a plan B. You know why? Because he's God, he doesn't need one. His plan A always works. And he says, I'm going to plant this body of believers. They're messed up. They're overcoming sin. It's, 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 it's." but you know what? In those clay pots, which were once used for dishonorable purposes, I'm going to put my spirit in them. And it's going to change the entire world. That's how important it is to understand God's plan for family. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you, God, for who you are to us. I thank you, God, that you never withhold anything that could bless us. And that, God, our job as pastors and leaders is to just repeat what you've already said. It's to keep your word in our minds and hearts in front of us, reminding us how we are to live. It's to take you so seriously, but to walk graciously with one another. I pray, God, that you would take whatever seed needed to be planted today in each and every heart, and, Father, it would just be multiplied. Father, it would take deep, Lord God, and it would produce a harvest that's so much bigger than what it started with. Father, I also pray for those in here that are far from you. I pray, God, that they would not leave this place the same way that they came. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're almost done. Maybe you're in here today, you're far from God. I don't I, Listen, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you up. I'm not gonna ask you an awkward question or shine a microscope on your life. You know if you're faking it with God or not. You know if you're, if you're professing to be a cultural Christian or an actual one. You know, I don't need to convict you because that's the job of God. But God does say you have to do something. If you don't want to be there, if you want to start or restart your relationship with God, you've got to make a free will decision from your own mouth to do it. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor, that's me, and you want me to include you in that prayer, I'm far from God, I don't want to be. Would you just put your hand up halfway, put it down? Is there me in there like that? I see you. I see you. Just put it up, put it down. Just acknowledge That's between me, and you, and God. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. It's the most important decision you can ever make, it's the first decision of a million to the life that God's called you to live. Is there anyone else you say, Pastor, that's me, I'm far from God. Will you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. In a moment, I'm gonna lead you in prayer. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's a free will expression, surrendering your life to God. The power comes in your sincerity. i want to encourage you, if you really meant it, when you raised your hand, you wanna be right with God. Say this prayer just loud enough where you can hear your own voice. I believe God's gonna change you right where you sit. We also are going to come alongside you with some instruction afterwards. I want to encourage you. Take the instruction. Take the step. This prayer is an on-ramp. It's not a parking place. But it's the first thing among all other things. Church, we believe in what what they're doing. Let's pray this prayer all together. Let's pray, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are good. And that's your God, I believe. But on the third day, after you were killed on the cross, I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you rose, that you defeated death to give me life. So today, of my own free will, I choose that life. Today I choose to make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Lead me and guide me. Show me what's next. It's in your name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Put our hands together for everybody who did that.